I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Browns fans. It's Wednesday night. It's 7 o'clock. That means it's time for OBR Weekly. I am Barry the Web Dork. Along with me is the legend, Mr. Freddie Greedham. How What's you up? doing, Fred? What's up? Doing good. Little cold, but beautiful day today. Just a little frosty. Just a little frosty, and the the news was a little frosty. We'll get into that here in a, a little bit. Uh, as you know, uh, we are streaming live tonight, as we do every Wednesday at seven p.m. You can find us on YouTube, on the OBR channel. You can find us on Twitch. And we are now streaming live on Twitter Spaces on the OBR. And if you are listening to us via Twitter, uh, understand that we uh, interact with the YouTube and, oh, I'm sorry, X, Fred points out, X. Uh, We interact with folks on the YouTube and Twitch uh, chat rooms. So those are the questions that we're answering during the course of the show. So if you want to drop by one of those chat rooms to join us. You are certainly welcome. Uh, And we've already got some questions that we're going to jump into here. But uh, news of the day, Fred, obviously it's got to be, you know, this endless parade between uh, the active roster and the injured reserve list. Uh, So far this week, we've got Dewan Jones, Jed Wills, Mo Hurst, Grant Delpit, Obo Akarankwo. Uh, potentially moving to that list. He's got a pec injury. And then today, you know, looking at the uh, at practice, you know, we've got uh, Posick, uh, Thornhill, Elliott, all not practicing due to injury. It's unreal. Uh, I was considering doing this entire show with my head in my hands, sobbing, uh, because it's just so ridiculous. Have you ever seen anything like this, Fred? You know, I have covered this team for quite a while, and I honestly can't remember this many devastating injuries. You know, it, it seemed like the offense was really where they were hit hard, and the defense had kind of been going unscathed, but late, it's it's catching up this week with the defense. I mean, these are some big blows. I mean, when I saw and I was thinking Delpit might be out a while, I looked at the defensive line. That's really where it all happens. And even though Zedarius Smith kind of goes out every game, you hold your breath, but then he comes back in. That's kind of how it's been with Okoronkwo. But it looks like it caught up with him. And we all know Miles Garrett's not 100%. But to lose Mo Hurst and uh, Jordan Elliott, you know, they're both basic quasi-starters. Makes you glad mm-hmm. you signed Shelby Harris at the end of the summer. Yep. And so with Dalvin Tomlinson, you have those two on the inside. And then you're probably going to get a look at your rookie third-round pick, Siaki Iki. Ika has not even been active, I don't think, um, because they've had so much depth. And in the fourth-round pick, Isaiah McGuire now, probably will be active at end. So it really is, you know, it's, it's a bittersweet thing around the, the team's eight and five. We all know mm-hmm. they're right on the cusp, but I've written about it, about the playoff possibilities and where they're at. They're right at the doorstep. And yet the other side of it, you're looking at it is, well, do they have enough bullets in the gun you know, to make a, to make a run, because how many times do you get this opportunity to right. go seven and three, you know, and then rebound and still be eight and five. They're only two games behind the best record in the NF or in the AFC. And right. that's not, that's the Browns haven't been in this position. And now you're sitting there thinking, 
it's almost the opposite earlier. You, you wonder how the defense can hold up, how long with the attrition. Could this be a an offensive team now with Joe Flacco, the resurgence, you know? <laughs> it's just – it's something you could never script, you know? And, and right. uh, I'm trying to – as I wrote earlier this week, you know, just enjoy this. And it's up to mm-hmm. the Browns to seize the moment because you could always say – yeah, but they'll get everybody back next year. There's no guarantee you'd be in this position a year from now, even if everybody was healthy. It's just the way it's gone this season. So right. it really right. is a it really is a head scratcher all the way around. Now I remember some of those expansion teams where it seemed like uh, the uh, front office would start running people to the injured reserve list at the end of the season. And I always suspected. They were looking for excuses to explain another three and thirteen season, but I've never seen anything like this. I'm with you, Fred. I've never seen anything like this. It, it, it's just amazing. And you know, this time of year, with uh, you know all these people headed to the injured reserve, there are some people looking for reasons. You know, uh, why in the world are we being impacted like this? Fred Leader seventy four offers one possible explanation, which is the weird early bye week that the Browns had as one reason that they're piling up all these injuries now. Um, but we've got questions in the Ask the Insiders Forum. Is it, you know, do you blame this uh, uh, the, the training and cord, uh, conditioning staff? You know, are they doing something wrong? Is it something about how the team practices you know, do you see any cause at all here, Fred, other than just pure bad luck for this team to, to have so many injuries? You know, they have they have so much more stuff now that, I mean, they have state-of-the-art nutritionists, dietitians, they eat the right things. And, you know, I've said this, you know, going back to training camp, Kevin Stefanski takes the approach. They don't really hit that much. You know, then there's other teams that hit like crazy, the Steelers. And I don't know, the Steelers had a lot of big injuries early and the Browns have had it later. People smarter than me on the analytic side, I guess, could look on the buys and when they occur. But these are surgeries. These aren't, you know, so these are, you know, you're getting broken bones or broken ligaments or torn ligaments or mm-hmm. whatever it is. I mean, he said today, Delpit and Hurst already had surgeries and we know Jones needs surgery and Wills needs surgery. So these are all surgeries. I don't know if the length of time, sometimes the buy's good, but it's more, it seems like nicks and bruises. It doesn't really heal you from these season enders. So yeah, there's going to be a wide variety of explanations. I just, yeah, I just don't, it's a violent game and these guys are getting bigger and stronger and faster. And, you know, you're getting hit the human body, you know, getting hit by somebody that's six foot four, six foot five, 280 pounds that are running, you know, at four, six, four, seven forties. I mean, it's like a freight train, you know, and I don't know Mm -hmm. how the human body can stand up to it. And it, it's just unfortunate, you know, like I said, I've seen, I've seen Zadarius Smith go down several times this year that I thought, uh Oh, he's done. And he keeps getting back up and we've seen miles Garrett and he keeps getting back up. And I just think it's, they just all keep going through it until the doctors say you need surgery. And that's, you know, Mm -hmm. what's happening here with, with some of these, I, the only thing I can think with Okoronkwa with four games, maybe they're not completely sure that it's torn all the way through. Maybe it's partial and maybe, you know, they're lobbying or he's lobbying that, Hey, can I just play through it? Cause Mm -hmm. as I understand, I think it was like the last play of the third quarter and if you remember, he was back out there here. He was out for a few plays right. and back. So, you know, I think that was, you know, even with Miles Garrett and, and different ones and even Watson wanted to keep playing. But, you know, he throws with his shoulder and they said, you can't you can't do it. So I don't know. 
but it really is a shame because like I said, you just feel like, you know, you're in an opportunity and you'd surely like to have, you know, all your players, they're getting paid. These frontline players are getting paid millions and millions of dollars for a reason because they're better than the guy, you know, that is behind them. Whether that Mm -hmm. guy behind them is just uh, unproven looking for his chance or, or he's a rookie or they're on a, uh, a low contract or coming up from the practice squad, but it, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation, you know, for the Browns, but I think if they can all the more um, scratch and claw and find their way to get in the playoffs, you can't take that away from them. You know, even right. if you get in the playoffs and lose a game, you are in the playoffs and then feeling like you have, you know, a lot of players coming back anticipating, I think it would bode for a bright, you know, off season and they wouldn't, obviously these lessons, hopefully they'd learn that you don't go into a season without a capable backup quarterback, because face it, I can make the point that this team could be, you know, 10 and three or nine and four, if they would have had a Flacco type quarterback to step in when Watson first went down, you know, we pointed to how they lost games because of, you know, basically the offense. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows if they'd have won those games, but as far as you, you would think that they would learn that we just cannot be vulnerable at any position, let alone quarterback. Yep. Totally agree. Hey, uh, as you guys know who are watching this program, this program is fired up by your comments and questions uh, because, uh, frankly, I don't prep very much for this program because my uh, inherent laziness. So I really rely on your comments and questions in the chat rooms. Please fire them off. We'll save them up, and we will build our program around what you want to talk about rather than what uh, we want to talk about. Uh, but uh, that being said, uh, let's talk a little bit about Joe Flacco, uh, Brown's Hero of the Week, uh, certainly for, after coming in and throwing for over 300 yards against the Jaguars, de- admittedly not the best defense in the NFL. Uh, the Bears' defense, uh, ever since acquiring Montez Sweat, has been sort of a different deal. Uh, they've been one of the better defenses of late, Fred. Um what do you think the keys are going to be for the Browns uh, on offense this week? Hopefully with a healthier Amari Cooper and Joe Flacco in week three as a starter. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, it's, um, you know, it is ironic because... Joe Flacco's thrown the ball vertically more than, you know, any of the other guys this year, whether Watson is just because of injuries or can never get on track. But um, I don't think any of them threw for 300 yards and he did in a second game. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so all of a sudden now we have an air raid offense and that might be what carries you. You know, and I think that's a feel good story. You know, they can't say they plan this. Again, this is kind of like Tom Brady stepping in for Drew Bledsoe and going on to be the greatest ever. You know, you can't give Belichick and all them 
that much credit when you draft a guy in the sixth round and you just say, that's what we were planning all along. You right. know, Joe Flacco was sitting there all off season, all, even when the first hint of an injury to Watson, he just sat there, you know, and six, seven weeks went by, but now he comes in here and yeah, it's only two games, but he looks every bit as good as anything we've seen from a quarterback in a long, long time. I would say he's been more effective than Jacoby Brissett. Brissett, I mean, in only two games. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, sure, he can't move, but he knows he's got to get rid of the ball quick, and he makes a quick decision and does so. And if right away he doesn't see it, he fires it where nobody can catch it, although a couple of times he has made mistakes. And he, and he said today that his kids have let him know, you know, we were teasing <laughs> with him about that. But, you know, it is refreshing. Think about the Cinderella story here. The Browns were kind of hated nationally because of Deshaun Watson. Now you have a team beleaguered with injuries. You got Joe Flacco coming off the couch. Everybody likes Joe Flacco. And, mm. you know, if he could make a run with this team and the Browns could go, they could – they could beat anybody. We've seen that. I mean, that's the other thing you look at this year. The Ravens right now are the best team in the AFC. And, you know, I think the Browns, you know, could have beat them twice. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it might be a little different now. All these teams are vulnerable in the AFC. And so I think right now you have to play to your strengths. And I don't see the running game being as strong as maybe it was earlier and maybe the passing game is going to evolve into your strength. But I think you're going to just have to pick and choose and be vulnerable. The Bears are good against the run, so maybe, you know, you go after them in the past. You've, you've said Montez Sweat, since they've got him, they've been better. They've won three out of four. You know, they're five and eight. What scares me with this team is uh, Justin Fields. You know, it's kind of mm -hmm. ironic to me. Everything I hear is he's kind of a lame duck quarterback. They have the Carolinas pick, which will probably be number one, and they're all saying that, you know, Caleb Williams or one of these quarterbacks is going to go to the Bears. Well, wow, what happened to Justin Fields, you know, is, mm -hmm. you know, they're almost like you're you're throwing him to the curb at 24 or whatever he is. Um, so, you know, his mobility, the Browns, the two games on the road they lost, the Broncos and the Rams, Russell Wilson, they designed to go back to the days of Seattle and have him, and had him roll out and run. He ran 11 times in that game, which was more than any Browns running back had in that game, mm -hmm. and it exposed the Browns. It was mainly in the first half, but it set the tone. It got them a couple touchdown lead, and the Browns really could never catch up. And then the Rams, Matthew Stafford, just got rid of the ball like in two seconds. Both of those teams basically were negating the Browns' aggressive pass rush and right. so forth. So they have to, you know, do what they have figured out, if they have, how to stop a running mobile quarterback. Because the quickest way to lose this game, in my opinion, is to let Justin Fields run for 75 or 100 yards and then you don't know what what to do. If you put JOK or, or Tony Fields or some athletic linebacker on him and just prevent him from taking off, kind of like a Lamar Jackson or whatever, I think would be your best bet. But I think that's one of the tough things is being able to control the RPOs and the mobile quarterback there with Fields. But on the Brown side, they just got to figure out where the Bears are most vulnerable and attack it either with the with the passing attack from Flacco and what he does well. We've now seen Elijah Moore getting involved, Amari Cooper getting involved. They're getting Tillman involved, David mm -hmm. Bell. Flacco is brought out the best by spreading it around. Of course, David Njoku, he's become like a major weapon. So you almost feel like the passing game is their best right now he gets rid of it quick enough and you really didn't feel like Garen Christian or James Hudson were hurting you that much because he was getting rid of the ball quickly kind of right. like Matthew Stafford I only think there was one sack last week and that was a big one it, you know they 
strip sack fumble, but mm-hmm. I, I like, you know, taking my chance with Flacco beating the blitz and, and getting the ball out. Right. Flacco can also really sell that play action, can he? I mean, you know, if you get the running game going a little bit, he's very good at that. He's not afraid to uh, turn his back uh, to the defense. Pete Smith wrote about that. I also can recommend uh, the Doghouse uh, video uh, stream, or it's on our podcast as well from last night uh, with Mike Keith and uh, Eddie Eddie from Barstool, who's a Bears expert, and they uh, talked about uh, uh, Justin Fields and uh, him, uh, the Bears setting up some designed runs for him. So that was my next question for you, Fred, and you uh, preempted me very well uh, with, well, he's uh, their with leading your analysis. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got Herbert and they got Foreman that each have 400 and 300, but Fields has 458 yards rushing. And I don't know how many games he missed, um, but he had to miss a number of games because Pageant has thrown through the ball this year you know, 140 times. So, you know, that tells you the threat that Fields is. So whatever Jim Schwartz dials up, it's got to be with an eye on Justin Fields because he's the guy that really can do the most damage, in my opinion. I They got a couple of receivers. I know Moore missed yesterday as a ankle injury. I didn't look today to see if he practiced or not, but um, – you know, you got to expect those guys. But as far as their running game hasn't really been great, it's been more Justin Fields. He's been the running game. And he's mm-hmm. also, you know, obviously you you sell out to stop the run, he's going to dump it over your head. Right, right. Yeah, it's going to be dangerous. We're going to find out a lot in the first quarter uh, on Sunday. Uh, first, Jen, uh, this is from Fumble13. He says, I love Fred's sweatshirt. Is it on the OBR store site? And the answer to that, unfortunately, is no. It is not on the OBR store site. Uh, but it actually comes from uh, our new sponsor on the uh, on the show, as does uh, my trusty OBR shirt and, and hat, and Fred's hat as well. And uh, this is uh, an example of the uh, branded merchandise uh, churned out by one of our favorite humans, uh, OG Philly, as he goes by uh, that moniker in the uh, 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 video chat, or Philly ASC as he goes in the water cooler. He also calls himself Scott Fillinger, apparently. Kind of weird, but whatever. And uh, he's now an official sponsor of the OBR video cast. So he deserves a massive props and a courage award for that. Uh, and what he does is he puts together branded apparel promo products, and uh, they're pretty awesome looking, as you can tell. And if you want your logo on excellent looking products like this, and for people to feel good like Fred and I do wearing them or having them, uh, OG Philly is really the guy to talk to. And he works with everyone from Fortune 500 companies down to small businesses like the OBR and uh, uh, the immaculately dressed male models that you see before you uh, right now. So uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, reach out to OG Philly or uh, you see the contact information there in front of you and uh, he will set you up and a great guy to work with. I can tell you that. So uh, uh, that's OG Philly. So let's get back to the football, and we've got a bunch of questions which have been stored up, and uh, I would like uh, even more of them. So if you've got more questions, uh, please feel free to fire them off, and uh, we will uh, uh, we will get to them. So the uh, first question actually came in before the show started. It comes from Drowning in Music. Uh, love that handle. Uh, he says, what is the probability Ward will play against the Bears? Out of the last four games, which one are we the most concerned about? So two questions there, Fred. Let's take the first one on Ward's health. Was he practicing today? Yes, he did practice. I sent a video out of it. Again, we only get the first 20 minutes. They're doing individual drills, but I 
saw him, I watched him, and the cornerbacks, they kind of go out like wide receivers, they're, they're backpedal, and then they catch interceptions. And so he was using his arms, that's, you know, the shoulders to going up and catching the ball and so forth. Obviously, you're not taking hits. I was surprised last week. I thought since he was out there the whole week, I know they list him as limited all week, but I assumed that he was going to play Sunday because that's okay. simply, you know, the, you know, he, he would have been a did not practice or, but they had him out there the whole time. Um, but they insisted he was limited and on Friday, insisted he was questionable. I'm like, yeah, that's just, he's missed two games straight. Well, then he was inactive. So, um, he was asked about that today, Stefanski, and he just said, you know, we'll see how we – I was anxious to see what they listed. Of course, they listed him limited today. So the, it, they may just leave it like that all week and, and leave it up till and call him questionable again. Here's the thing you don't – you're not – I don't know how you gauge that because you're not really hitting. Um, it's your shoulder. So obviously – you got to use that to make tackles and so forth. The one thing I'll say is they chose not to put him on injured reserve. Injured reserve is four games, as everybody knows. He has missed three games now. I would think logically that they had to think he would be back either for the Jaguar game or the Bears game, or they would have put him on injured reserve because – you can see how valuable these roster spots are. They have not put Joe Flacco on the active roster yet because they've been shuffling around with so many injured reserve guys. So um, I have to think, you know, that he's going to play this week, but they may just, especially with the safety situation, that would be, that is the silver lining in the injuries. You've been playing without him and, with the safeties being real thin, obviously you lost Rodney McLeod for the season. Now you lost Grant Delpit for at least the rest of the regular season. And Juan Thornhill didn't practice today. He was a late scratch. So that means he re-injured his calf in the pregame. That's what kept him out the previous game. So that's not a good sign to me that he didn't practice today. So you could Mm -hmm. be down your top three safeties. That would put Ronnie Hickman. Oh, I think we lost Fred. Fred was talking about Ronnie Hickman and uh, maybe Duran Harmon coming in and starting. Uh, so we'll we'll see what his take is on uh, on the starting safeties when he returns here to uh, the environs of uh, of uh, our our uh, our live stream. Uh, talking too about the practice squad, uh, Pete Smith put together an article this week on Joe Flacco and his roster status and the situation with the practice squad. There was a lot of misinformation about that that went out last week, especially uh, from some fan blogs and fan podcasts and stuff like that, saying that Flacco was, you know, protected on the practice squad. And that's a concept that was part of covid you know, two, three years ago. And uh, we got subtweeted and insulted and all kinds of things out on social media for saying, no, that wasn't the way it is anymore and trying to talk to them about that. And, uh, you know, eventually we got the right answer and all that sort of stuff. Fred, uh, you vanished when you were starting to talk about the uh, starting safeties. You mentioned Ronnie Hickman. Well, yeah, Ronnie Hickman and DeAnthony Bell, who's those two guys finished the other day. Um, but I think Duran Harmon, you know, 11 years in the NFL, won the Super Bowl three times with the Patriots. That gives a little comfort, I think, to Jim Schwartz. Like a Rodney McLeod, you can plug him in there. He might have lost a step for whatever reason. I think he played earlier this year with the Bears. But he has experience, knows what to do. And what I was saying about Denzel Ward is if he can play that they like to play either three corners or three safeties, then you can play Emerson, Newsom, and Ward and maybe use Duran Harmon. And if, even if Juan Thornhill doesn't come back, you can alternate Hickman, Bell, you know, 
back in there and have a little more depth. So I just think that in the secondary, if you can get Ward back this week, it would be a big shot, a silver lining in all this injured stuff um, mm-hmm. to, to give you that extra DB because Mike Ford and, and uh, Cameron Mitchell and some of the depth guys, they cross train, they could play a little bit and help out at safety. But the key is, is have your best three corners and then you can kind of put it together from there. Right, right. Let's go to the next question. This is from uh, our buddy, Paul Spencer. And uh, he asks you, Fred, um, who are free agents the Browns might be kicking the tires of uh, now that we are uh, down three at the offensive tackle position and down uh, a couple uh, at defensive tackle? Well, on offense, I think you're pretty much going to go with what you have. I mean, Garen Christian stepped in for Jedrick Wells, and you haven't really heard his name much, so it means that he's not getting, you know, getting beat bad. I mean, like I said last week, I think they gave up one sack. Uh, You know, if anything, Hudson's had some false starts and some you know, boy, I've heard his name, more mistakes from him than I have from Christian. Uh, they signed Joey Fisher today to the practice squad. These guys are veterans. They have two guys already on the practice squad, actually three guys on the practice squad that are veterans. Alex Leatherwood, former number one pick of the Raiders. He's been on the practice squad all year, but they've chosen to go outside, you know, to, to Garen Christian and And then another veteran they signed was Justin Murray. He's like a five-year veteran. He's on the practice squad. And this Fisher they signed today, I think he's got a little experience um, as well. So I think they're just going to stay in-house. I mean, the hope was was when you got the news that Dewan Jones was out for the year, as bad as that was, you were expecting Jedrick Wills to come back this week or next week on the original timetable. And then you could make do with Wills and Hudson and Christian, the three of them. But now that's a, you know, foregone conclusion. So I just think at this point, the other one I was going to say is Ty Niseki. He's like a 37-year-old. He was on the practice squad and he injured his bicep. And I think he's still on the practice squad injured reserve. So we don't hear anything about that. I don't know if he's able to play or not, but they've got three, four guys that have NFL experience on the practice squad behind Hudson and Garen Christian on the defensive side. You know, I think they probably would go with their third round pick. Siaki Ika has been on the roster, hasn't played from the practice squad. You got Tommy Togiai who's in the rotation in the past and got cut and then bounced around and they brought him back to the practice squad. Um, I think he's the only defensive tackle on the practice squad that I know of. They, they say signed Sam Kamara off the practice squad. He's, he doesn't look like a prototypical defensive end. He's six foot. 272 pounds. So he's more like an interior guy, but they list him as defensive end. So I think he can probably play inside and outside. You you have Isaiah Thomas on the practice squad. So at this, with four games left, I don't really, it'd take you a while to get to know some of these guys, especially the offensive tackles. And I don't even really know who's available out there. You know, everybody throws out Nadamika Sue and guys like that on, but I think Brad Steinbrook reached out to to them and there was no interest or at this point or hadn't been contacted. So I think you you've got what you've got. You know, what you've acquired. Most of these things are just kind of end of roster depth situations that you might sign a guy you know, just to step in and stand there. Another guy I forgot was Leroy Watson. He's been on the roster. We signed him off the practice squad of the 49ers offensive tackle. He hasn't played yet. So 
it is interesting. You got Leatherwood, you know, he's been around all year, former number one. You've kept him on the practice squad, but you've chosen to go get outside people and put them over him on the roster, you know, like Watson and Garen Christian and some of these guys. Do they they make ever ever make Callahan available to the media so you could ask him how Leatherwood is doing? They rotate on Fridays, the assistant coaches, and there's like two every Friday. Mm-hmm. The co- the coordinators are every Thursday, so like tomorrow, the three of them will be available. But the right. the position coaches, I don't know exactly the schedule, but there's like twenty some of them. So it takes yeah. a while to go through them all, right. but they'll have like, and it seemed like the last time they did offensive line, they had Scott Peters, the assistant offensive line coach. So right. I remember talking to Callahan in training camp, but he doesn't come around too often. Right. It'd just be interesting to get an update on how Leatherwood is doing, you know, all that potential. Right. Um, Manimal asked the question, you know, he says it's amazing that we have eight wins. Can we have two more games with all these injuries? Can we reach ten and seven this year? In your opinion, Fred? Oh, I think so. I mean, I laid it out in a story this week. Um, I think the Browns, even with the injuries, will probably be favored in all four games. Are pretty close. The toughest game to me right now would be the Texans. And Mm -hmm. the Texans were really rolling until they got derailed by the Jets the other night. Um, If you take care of business at home, you should get to 10 wins. That, That includes Sunday, and that includes the Jets. Now, I think of all four games are winnable. Will they win them all? I doubt it. But, I mean, the Bears are five and eight for a reason. They're not the greatest team. They're very beatable. Um, then you go to Houston. I don't know the situation with C.J. Stroud. He didn't practice today's in the concussion protocol. We've seen sometimes guys, you know, miss a, more than a week. If he misses more than a week, he wouldn't play against the Browns, and they're a different team without him. Mm-hmm. Um, their top wide receiver, you know, was lost for the season, and their second receiver, I think he got hurt, but I haven't really looked into where he's at. But then you got the Jets at home. They can say whatever they want. The Jets are 5-8 and eight right now, even with a big win over the Texans. If they went out, they'd finish 9-8. and eight. I don't think you make the playoffs at 9-8. and eight. Nobody seems to make the playoffs at 9-8. and eight. It's it, you, you have to get to 10 wins to be there because there's so many teams in the mix. There's Mm-hmm. The Browns are eight and five, and then you got six, seven, and six teams. You got to figure two or three of them will probably get to 10 wins. So I think right. it'll come down to the tiebreakers, even at 10 wins. And the Browns are six and three right now in the, not the division, in the conference, the AFC. And that's the number one tiebreaker, like outside of head to head. If you're tied with like the Bills or the, Steelers or the Bengals and other head to head. So I think that bodes well. But what I was saying is the Jets, I cannot imagine that Aaron Rodgers would play if they're eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, that that's no. not logical. He might say he wants to play and he has time to heal up if he gets hurt again. But that's just that wouldn't be smart. I wouldn't think from the organization standpoint, because you risk him being lost for 2024 when this season's already lost. So with that said, Zach Wilson played pretty well the other night, but I don't think he's the great second coming of Zach Wilson that all of a sudden now he's, he's going to be great. And then you got Browning, you know, in Cincinnati. I mean, you're playing two backup quarterbacks. Sure. They've done pretty well, but I think they're very winnable. Still, this defense has a lot of good pieces, you know, especially with Miles Garrett and Zadara Smith and the front four, even without Okoronkwo. So mm-hmm. I like their chances. And I think, you know, you you should beat the Bears. But if you're going to lose a game 
this one's almost the one you can afford to lose. You'd rather beat the Texans if you could only win one of the next two because that's an AFC game, and that gives you the tiebreaker over the Texans, over the Colts, you mm-hmm. know, almost all those teams. So, yeah, I think I think 10 and 7 is very uh, realistic. I think they could get to 11 wins. I picked them 11-6 before the season, before obviously we knew that 14 guys would be on injury reserve. And right. we're not just talking about any old guy. We have the franchise quarterback, the best mm-hmm. running back in the NFL, right. the top three tackles, including one that's an all pro twice, you know, mm-hmm. not to mention all these other, your top kick punt returner, you know, you can go down the line now with Delpit, your safety right. and McLeod and Okoronkwa. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Right. You think uh, Stefanski's a legitimate, uh, got a legitimate shot at coach of the year, coach of the year if they win 10 or 11? Yeah, I do. I mean, there's still a long way to go. You know, everybody thought for sure the Texans coach would be the way they were going out of nowhere. But, you know, if they don't finish strong, I don't know where that goes. And it it, it is so much a week to week league. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Dolphins. You know, they, they've sputtered a little lately. You know, Ravens. Yeah, you look all the way around, it it is hard to even project. You know, the Broncos were buried a long time ago, and now they're, you know, yeah. now they've been playing very well. So there's teams in the NFC. But in the AFC, it's hard to be here, watch every day to see, you know, Kevin Stefanski and what he's doing, juggling this team and willing them almost to eight and five. With that right. said, as I wrote, they got to seize the moment. You could be a hundred percent healthy, not being guaranteed to be eight and five next year. So you got to do all you can and make the most of this. And these young guys or whoever steps up, this is your chance to show that you belong. You know, this is your chance to be the Brock Purdy, so to say, and go out there and make something happen. And then next year, you're you're the player everybody's talking about. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a position they're in. All right. <laughs> uh, we talked about this a, a little bit earlier. Let's uh, dive into uh, the offensive line again. Paul Spencer says, of all the things that worry me, our tackle situation worries me most, especially Hudson. Any help on the horizon? We talked about the fact that they'll probably look internally for uh, for help on the offensive line. But uh, let's let's actually take a look at the interior offensive line a little bit as well, Fred. Uh, entry to Posick. What what is his status? He didn't uh, play. Didn't practice again today. Correct. No, he's still listed as a stinger. When he left the game, they said he was questionable return. Then he didn't return, or they said he was ruled out. Um, Stefanski on Monday didn't really mention him, so made you think that maybe he was okay. Um, Mm. I don't know what a stinger, if it comes into the line. It's not called a concussion, so I know it. I think it's a neck injury. He seems to be pretty durable. If you remember earlier, I think he was supposed – he got injured the week before the bye, and they thought he was going to miss some time, and he played – he had the bye week, but he played right away. So he started every game. With that said, I think they're in good shape there with Nick Harris. I mean, Nick Harris was going to be your starter last year. We all know he, he got Wally pipped. He – Tore his ACL mm-hmm. in the first play of the preseason game against Jacksonville. And then Posick kind of came out of nowhere, who was supposed to be the backup. So, yeah, I don't know if Posick will play this week, but I think that's the least of their worries that Nick Harris, you know, you have him. There was question. A lot of people thought they'd cut him, you know, because they drafted Luke Whipler. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Harris has been very valuable on the roster. He's listed as the starting fullback. So now you got him at starting fullback and maybe the starting center. So uh, Wyatt Teller seems to be okay. He practiced today. He had been 
you know, taking a day a week off. Batonio did a rest day, but they keep listing his knee. There's something I don't think is completely right with him, but mm -hmm. they are what they are at this point. So I think you're pretty strong in the middle. I mean, I agree. I'm not that enthralled with what I've seen of James Hudson, but that's what you got at this point. Bill Callahan, right. we keep talking about him doing wonders with the offensive line. He watches all these guys. And some people have thought, well, Michael Dunn was a tackle in college, and he's been a very good guard. Would you be better to move Batonio out to left tackle and, and put Dunn at guard or, you know, move things around on the right side, put Dunn out there at right tackle? Um, obviously, Callahan, I think they lean on him, and he's deciding of what the guys they have that he's better, Hudson is, than Leroy Watson or – uh, moving some of these interior guys outside or Alex Leatherwood or, you know, some of the Justin Murray. Uh, that's all I can figure. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. know why you would say this guy's way better, but we're going to keep him on the practice team and go with James Hudson. He's in the right. last year of his contract, I think, isn't he? Is he a, or third year? 21. Okay. It's his third year. So they have him one more year. I think they were hoping he would have been like Dewan Jones. Obviously mm -hmm. Dewan Jones, they felt immediately was better than Hudson because last year when Conklin got hurt, Hudson became the right tackle immediately. You know, and then Conklin came back and Hudson went, you know, back to the bench this year, Hudson was the backup and Dewan Jones immediately took over for Conklin. So I don't think they think Hudson's the greatest tackle out there, but I have to think Callahan feels he's, he gives them the best chance, you know, yeah. at this point. Well, at this point, uh, not going to go ahead and question Bill Callahan when it comes to picking players uh, to play on the offensive line. Uh, he's uh thinks he brings some expertise to play. Uh, Mr. Callahan does. James Porch from the YouTube chat room writes in and says, can we get an explanation as to why the Miles Garrett sack versus the Jaguars didn't show up in his stats? That's a that's an interesting question. Um, it's a pretty easy one. It's an easy question. Okay, Fred, what's the answer? It was a two-point conversion, so it wasn't a play. It doesn't, doesn't count as a, as a real play. Same thing. Yeah, stats don't count if – on defense, if you get an interception, doesn't count as an interception. If you get a fumble, it's just a failed two-point conversion. So, yeah, he got the sack that kept him from getting two points, but he doesn't get credit for a sack on that. All right. Very good. Um, I am looking to see if there were some additional questions getting asked, and I see a bunch of OBR subscriptions, E. Gellin with 10 gifted subs in the Twitch chat room. That is really cool. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, I'm not seeing a whole bunch of additional questions, so if you've got some, please hit us up. Uh, I've got some saved up here uh, that we will hit, uh, but uh, if you've got some more, we've got 13 minutes left in the show, so hit us up. Uh, Superfly Rob asks, uh, what are the possibilities of seeing Flacco back next year? What are your thoughts on uh, bringing Flacco back at age 39, Fred? <laughs> well, I think that's a good question. Um, you know, when I think a lot of it is how it ends up here. I mean, obviously, he's a feel-good story. I've been critical of Andrew Berry. I wrote a column about it. I've said it on this show that I thought it was, it was negligence to go into the season and trade after you traded Josh Dobbs and did not have a veteran backup behind Deshaun Watson. To think that you're only one play away from losing your quarterback, and obviously hindsight, you look and you say, yeah, what, there's been seven, eight franchise quarterbacks go down for the season this year. Um, so the Browns aren't the only one. But even if you felt like the trade – 
of Josh Dobbs was too good to pass up to get that fifth round pick or to save a couple million on the salary cap. You had to have somebody in the pipeline to bring in. And I'm not talking about PJ Walker, you know, and, and as much as you think DTR is the future. And I agree. He's got a lot to put, to put that young man in that position from the get go was not fair to him or not fair to the team because you just had, you just not ready to go. So that was on the front office. And, and that brings up another point. I know. And I kind of agreed that they wanted all their quarterbacks to have a similar skill set because they were going with a new offense like Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson mobile. And I can see that from the get go with DTR. But first of all, PJ Walker is not the same skill set as those no. other two. He's not a mobile running quarterback. I thought he was when he came here. We all saw when he played that he wasn't. But they went away from that and went away from the Jacoby Brissett type because they didn't want to have to have two different offenses. I think you got to throw that out the window. A Joe Flacco is definitely not the skill set of what you had. And like I've said, in two weeks, I've seen them, whether it's Stefanski adapting on the fly or whatever, but the offense doesn't look, at least the passing game does not look at all like it's taken a hurt. So you got to have a veteran quarterback that can play the game and not say, well, he's not mobile or he's not like Deshaun Watson. You just got to get a quarterback that can win if you Mm -hmm. lose your starting quarterback, because that could have lost the Browns the season right then and there, you know, we can all revisit how they won the Colts in the 49er game, but we all know that was kind of smoke and mirrors and help from the refs. It might not have been that way if you'd have had adequate quarterback play in those games and even the Mm -hmm. Seattle game, you know, to some, to, to some extent. So yeah, I, I think Flacco's got a chance. I mean, the Browns got the inside track. He was asked today if he want how long he wants to play. And he just said, you know, the first time he got here and we talked to him, he said, you know, really I haven't thought about what I want to do after. Cause I really don't know anything other than football. And that's okay. really why he just sat around on the couch. He did say he had an interview. He was asked to interview for a, uh, broadcasting. I don't know the name of it, but it's the one that Ryan Clark is on mm-hmm. inside the NFL or something. And he didn't really want to do that kind of stuff, but he went to the interview. He says he still doesn't see himself getting into broadcasting or anything. So I think he still wants to play. Um, right. I think it remains to be seen. I mean, somebody might come calling now as a free agent and sure and say, well, yeah, I'll go take that opportunity with a big offer or rather than to come back and be the backup to Deshaun Watson. But it just depends on money and it depends on opportunity. You know, Mm -hmm. it's obviously nobody was interested in him all along. And I know a lot of our fans were a little concerned about him getting signed off the practice squad. Um, You know, it isn't like waivers or somebody just claims them, they mm-hmm. have to sign them. And the Browns right. already have that. He hasn't signed. He's still in the practice squad. But I'm sure they already have an agreement in place. I looked it up today. He's He gets 20000 a week roughly, which is big money. But for the practice squad, that's the most you can get. So he's mm-hmm. picked up maybe forty grand the last two weeks. I guess 60 if you count the first week, if that counts. But you balance that out with Deshaun Watson. I think he's getting $46 million this year or whatever. You know, that's a pretty good savings, you know, on your quarterback room. So that's part of the reason why he's still on the practice squad. <coughs> All right. Well, we'll find out with Flacco, you know, maybe at the end of the year. Uh, question from E. Gillen. Interesting question here. Uh, Quincy Carrier is a YouTube uh, host. Uh, he has a YouTube show pretty much every day, I think. 
Uh, and E. Gillen wants to know if Fred agrees with him that the Browns are now a well-run football operation that can adver- overcome adversity and injuries. Uh, he says, no way we'd be in the position, this position in past regimes and the talent level then. Uh, only five or six quality players then, and when one or two went down, the season was over. Uh, our injured players could be an all-pro team. So depth of roster, obviously different this year than it's been in the past, Fred. Does this mark a new level of quality in terms of the front office, in your opinion? Well, I think that's just building. And I said that before the season, you know, going into it, that that they had much more depth and that was going to help the, the, the special teams. That's why there's improved special teams play because they went out and actually signed core special teams players in free agency guys like Mike Ford, Matt Adams, you know, guys that that's really all they do is special teams. Now they've had to play some on defense because of the injuries, but I do think this roster it shows you that's why a Tommy Togiai guy they drafted gets pushed off the roster and, and different guys like Anthony Schwartz. Obviously, they, they didn't play well, but you're upgrading the talent all the way around. Now, I don't know if I'd say that they don't miss these guys. You know, there's a reason somebody gets paid six, eight, ten million compared to a guy making the veteran minimum because everybody looks at him, evaluates him as this guy's got a lot more talent and you can only have so many of them. You have to fill in with the the depth and the backups. And that's where the Browns have been good this year. But how many can you, you know, how many can you withstand? If they said, okay, we're the Cleveland Browns defense and we've, you know, we've lost all these guys. So, Fred and Barry, we need you to fill in just because, you know, we joined the team doesn't mean that there's not going to be a big problem. And so I think there's a drop off. Yes, for sure. Between the starters and the backups, but maybe not so much the second team, but when you get beyond that and the third team and so forth, there's reasons. So that's the way you got to do it with the salary cap. If is the guys at the bottom of the roster kind of offset the high paid guys at the top. But I do agree that they have a much better roster. They're much better and ready to uh, withstand these injuries, but you can only withstand so many. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, all you have to do is look around the league at the quarterback teams, you know, the Bengals have been doing pretty well, but they're not, they're not feared like they were with Joe Burrow. And I don't think that the chargers are going to be feared like they were with Justin Herbert. And I don't think, you know, you look at any team, Aaron Rodgers, the jets, they're not, you know, it's sure, but the Browns have done a good job, but we'll see, you know, how they go forward here. I mean, it's just kind of coming to, it seems like it's coming to a head, And the thing is, is there's not a silver lining that there's many guys you're looking forward to getting back right now, but the only one you can think of is Denzel Ward. Right, right. Well, dealt it maybe for the playoffs. They're they're hopeful of that at least. Um, Next question, uh, Drew in Brick City. He says, how bad is Jerome Ford's injury? So do we have an update on that, Fred? Well, if you're talking wrist or hand, it was negative. Um, I don't know what he was listed today, but um, Stefanski was asked about that on Monday, and he said that I didn't mention him, did I? Meaning he's fine. He was practicing today. Um, I think he's – a lot of these guys are listed as injured. It's more – watch if they don't practice. That's what threw me with Denzel Ward because – he practiced all week and obviously they're not tackling. So you think, okay, how do you gauge his shoulder? So there's obviously some strength tests they're doing, but um, no, I think Ford's, you don't have to worry about him. Cream hunt seems to have with this groin kind of a nagging thing. Cause now every week he's missing Wednesday with a groin injury. I expect right. to be out there tomorrow, but um <clears throat> 
just kind of the, the way it goes at this point. All right. Uh, last question we have of the night comes from Paul Spencer. He says these beautiful threads seem wasted on Barry and Fred. Yeah, I, I can't deny that. Uh, why can't I get them? He asks. The reason you can't get them, Paul, is because you don't work for the OBR. And as a result, you don't get these wonderful branded products from Philly and his friends. But I do know that you have a unique brand of evil twisted genius, which would somehow be useful for the OBR. So if you were to work for us, you would be eligible for these wonderful garments. So just something to think about, you know, evil genius, OBR. It just, it, it, it works. All right. Paul, we just, we just can't handle you. <laughs> and uh, that is it for another Wednesday evening of OBR Weekly, where we talk about Browns being injured and other like matters. Uh, thank you very much for hanging out with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'm Barry uh for fred greetham thank you very much for hanging out with us we will see you next wednesday at 7 p.m for on obr weekly thanks again see you soon